You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. This is Sean Taggart, and you are listening to Pure, a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast. And this week, we invade Boston. This is Sean Tagger, and once again, you're listening to Pure, a Ring of Honor retrospective podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. This week, we invade Boston. We go into the 2002 database once again. We're going into August 24th, 2002, as the Ring of Honor crew goes to Wakefer- Wakefield, excuse me, Massachusetts at the America Civic Center. They held 500 screaming loud Ring of Honor fans as they go up to the Boston area for the very first time. With a big 14, yes, 14 match card, and we are here to talk through it all, give some honor and insight, and also a little bit of opinion as we sprinkle on our thoughts. And, uh, you know, once again, this is a very good first year for Ring of Honor so far. Um, this is their first chance to spread their wings a little bit and get themselves out there and in, in the open a little bit more. Something that they have yet to do as they were just you know sitting pretty at the Murphy Rec Center. We have a champion in uh, low key and he defends his title later in the night against AJ Styles. But like I said, we do have a big 14 match card here, and I would be remiss if we didn't get started right into it. Um, We start right away with the Amazing Red uh, and Quiet Storm. This match right here was a quick little spot fest. Lots of back and forth action. I really think Amazing Red was really still getting into his own. He was really showing off and showing out here a lot. I did like what I saw from Quiet Storm. Quiet Storm came out with his group Special K, which we'll get to know really well as over the course of the first couple years of Ring of Honor. As we get to learn about this group here and... Honestly, they're, you know, a dastardly group that likes to party a little too much. They rather party than focus their career and intention on in the ring. Um, but we see here right away, uh, Amazing Red picks up the victory, but not so fast. Um, you know, this just blows up into something rather very different and very quick where uh, the special kid goes and continues the assault on um, Amazing Red and out comes Chris Devine and the SAT to make the save and this jumps right into our next match which is a six man tag team match with the uh, special K group of uh, Brian XL, D- Dixie and Izzy taking on Chris Devine and the Maximo brothers Joel and Jose or better known as the Spanish announced team SAT here. The three of them put on a really good match here. Um, a lot of back and forth action, good high spots, good high fast flow action. I mean, the SAT are the inventors of the Spanish Fly. We've seen them do it here, the double Spanish Fly. Really good match here. I really like um, SAT. I think they do add a lot to the Ring of Honor uh, group and the fan base. I think they bring a lot of action, a lot of attention to their spots and everything like that. They do a very good job here winning the crowd over and getting the crowd over here. Um, Really quick and easy uh, match here for them as well. Uh, They pick up the win with uh, Chris Devine, but Chris Devine has his own thoughts and opinions on what he wants to accomplish here in Ring of Honor. And he makes it known really relatively early that he wants to face Loki. 
Um, and he says he doesn't need to fight for the title. He just needs to prove himself against Loki. Loki coming out in shorts he, and a t-shirt tank top. He's not really ready for a match yet as he does face AJ Styles in the main event. So we're clicking through and we're almost through three matches here right away in the first 20 minutes of the show. Um, I mean, Chris Devine here doesn't really get much offense in as Loki just demolishes him in 53 seconds. Um, just a really quick squash, I, I would put it that way. I mean, there's no way other to put it, but... Um, Chris Devine got squashed, and he has to now think about what's next for him. Obviously, this wasn't what he expected or what he wanted, but yeah, this was a squash, to put it nicely. So from there, we go into our next match here. It is another tag team match as the Christopher Street connection of Buffy and Mace take on Dunn and Marcos, or as we later on know them as the Ring Crew Express. This right here was just, you know, a cool down match a little bit. I mean, if you think about it, Dunn and Marcos are a great enhancement tag team that gets shown a lot of opportunity and chances to shine here in Ring of Honor in the early stages. They come around quite a few times during this initial run of Ring of Honor, so it's nice seeing them getting their spots in here. But, I mean, the big team here and still part of the Christopher Street connection is Alan is in danger, as we all know. Eventually, she jumps ship to uh, Christopher Daniels' faction here in Ring of Honor. But let's not jump ahead of ourselves here. Um, we get to know about Buffy and Mace a little bit more. They do a, a little bit more tag team maneuvers, and they really focus on just single-handedly destroying um, Dun & Marcos, and they do handedly. Uh, Christopher Daniels is not there at the show. We find out that he's busy touring Japan as Curryman. Um, as we see in the background, there's a picture of him as Curryman on the uh, advertisements for the show. So he's not there tonight, but he does promise another member of the Prophecy will be coming and will be coming very soon in Ring of Honor. So who that will that be? We don't know yet. I, like I said, I know Alice in Danger does eventually jump ship to um, the Prophecy, but let's just hold off on that for now. We'll, we can talk about that at another time uh, when that does happen on another show. So Scoot Andrews, ever since his loss on the first show to... Um, Xavier has been showing a little bit more edge and a little bit more anger, vowing to finally overcome Xavier and finally beat Xavier once and for all. But first, he has to go against Mike Tobin. Uh, Tobin um, out with Danny Drake, who's suffering from a neck injury, it looks like. So he won't be really getting involved in this match whatsoever. But, I mean, this was a very good back-and-forth match. It's a shame. Scoot Andrews is a good performer. It, it was really weird to see him really fall off quickly with Ring of Honor as I feel like he had a lot to offer especially in the early going when you know he was a decent sized name coming from the East Coast Indies and uh, Indies like Jersey All Pro ICW New York and even down in Florida where he made a name for himself primarily um, you know I've talked about Scoot on the first episode or excuse me the second episode here of uh, Pure um, when we talked about Air of Honor Begins and his match with Xavier there's still a lot to be determined with um, Scoot Andrews, but I do think he does give off a good presence, and he is someone that can be someone of, of a stepping stone to help build a up-and-coming star. And what better way to get that build by bringing out once again to try and really focus on taking the, cast that, the task at hand, Xavier. He wants to really understand why um, and what's wrong with... Um, Mr. Scoot Andrews here, the Black Nature Boy, 
and he does not want to deal with it. He just wants to go out and leave, but finally, uh, Scoot Andrews does agree to this match, and we get a match here with Xavier getting the upper hand yet again against Scoot Andrews. Once again, I feel there was a lot here that could have been done and could have been done in a way to help elevate uh, you know, both Xavier and Scoot Andrews, but in the end, it really put the, uh, the attention on Xavier, who in their own way, shape, or form, Ring of Honor was starting to build as a bigger deal here than what we previously saw with them. Um, and, you know, more high-profile matches for Xavier, more notoriety, um, more, you know, importance as he was getting bigger on the East Coast indie scene, especially within uh, the Super 8 uh, tournament and then as well as ICW New York. So that match right there, I mean, you saw a little bit of a back and forth, but it was really Xavier just taking control and really focusing on and building up that entire match um, until he got the victory. And once again, thank you guys all for listening to Pure, the Ring of Honor retrospective podcast here on the Countout Network, full of many shows, including how to talk to your friends about wrestling. Make sure you listen to them when they come back sooner than you expect because, you know, they just want to talk to you about wrestling and because you are their friend. So we go into uh, the next match here, which is a Texas Wrestling Academy showcase match here between Michael Shane, who's coming off a little bit more of a showmanship, showboat kind of type thing. He thinks that he is owed everything. You saw it in the beginning where Biohazard was with him, um, and he threw Biohazard's keys and told him to park the car because, hey, he doesn't need to. Uh, this is his job now. He's the young boy for Michael Shane. And really, in technicality, Michael Shane's been around for almost the same time as Biohazard. But, you know, wins get to uh, Michael Shane's head like a certain uh, uncle of his. Um, but, you know, we move on here with the very first appearance of Paul London in Ring of Honor. And boy, if you never saw Paul London wrestle early Ring of Honor, he, one thing that he liked to do was come to the point where he was about to kill himself in the ring because of the spots that he did. Um, and this was an example of that right off the bat in his first showing. We all know they made a compilation of his best matches here in Ring of Honor, and it was known as Please Don't Die, the very best of Paul London. And yeah, Please Don't Die, Paul London, because God, some of those spots in this match, it looked like he was going to injure himself and injure himself bad didn't really look very good and very promising for him i think you saw where uh, there was times where you saw uh michael shane back off a little bit because he was afraid that you know paul was a little bit more injured than he was leading on but they powered through the match i think it was a very good match and it showcased both of their characters very well with you had the never say die attitude with um Paul London, and then he just had the Dassler heel in uh, Michael Shane, and they fed off of one another. I think this was really good and a really good showcase here of the probably after Brian Danielson and Spanky, the next two up in the Texas Wrestling Academy, as those two um, really stood out of the pack, mainly more so Danielson over uh, Spanky, but he was right behind him. But you did get a little bit more of a showcase and effort with um, Michael Shane here and. Uh, Paul London, and it was a really good match that showcased both strengths very well here. Um, we then go on to our next match, which was Donovan Morgan of the Prophecy against American Dragon Brian Danielson here. Uh, it was a very good match, very technical match. This was a good way to showcase both um, 
power and also the technical prowess of uh, American Dragon Brian Danielson here at this time. I think you also saw Brian really try to power outpower Donovan Morgan, but I mean Morgan was just a little too powerful for him. This was really hard for him to really try to do some of his more power moves as you know Morgan pushed that back down really quickly. Um, but you know this was a good showcase once again for Danielson. He was slowly being built up as probably one of the better wrestlers and the ace of Ring of Honor in this early time period. But you saw him really focus here on different areas and different aspects of the body. But 15 minutes uh, wasn't enough for the two of them to t uh, take each other down as we hit a time limit draw. Brian wanted at least five more minutes. And it looked like Donovan Morgan was going to give him those extra five minutes. But at the end of the day, he rolled out of the ring and said, forget it. Wasn't worth his time. Not going to do it. So we didn't see that extra five minutes, and I do think if we got those extra five minutes, it might have been a little bit beneficial for Danielson and probably got the best of uh, Donovan Morgan here, which is why I think you saw him, uh, Morgan at least, back out and back away from him and say this wasn't worth his time, which all due respect, uh, Donovan, you should take every match that you can get and try to fight for your spot here because very soon you might be forgotten about. So we get a little bit of an intermission. We get a little bit of break uh, in the action as we get ready for our second half of the show. Um, we see the uh, Carnage Crew, DeVito and Locke getting ready for their match here against uh, the hit squad of Mafia Mac, uh, Mafia, Danny Maff, and uh, Monster Mac here. This was, you know, something that stems back to H.C. Uh, Loke being... Um, the referee in the very first uh, hardcore match that they had that involved the the Boogaloo um, and Homicide or the Natural Born Sinners. So we saw uh, him bring in his uh, partner here to really even the odds and really scare everyone here. And honestly, this was more so for a way to reestablish themselves as the team, as a uh, driving force here. Um, so we go into the match itself, and right off the bat, you know, there's hardcore elements throughout this match. Um, this is known as a Boston Massacre tag team match, so you knew this was going to be a little bit more on the hardcore side, which at the time Ring of Honor was very much known for, as well as their very strict work rate um, type style matches that you would see throughout the card more. But there was always a spotlight where you would get a, a hardcore style match in there just to wake up the crowd after intermission, get them uh, the, get the blood pumping again, get them excited for the show once again, you know, because they did have a lot more of the show left to go through. But you, one thing that you did notice and you did see a lot of here is just the back and forth between uh, DeVito and Monster Mac. Um, those two had very good chemistry with one another. I think they worked very well. They're used to one another as they went and, uh, you know, brought up in the same around group and everything like that so they're aware of one another and they're aware of what another can do um so we did see a lot of good back and forth and good action in this match itself i do think um you know there were some lulls in the match but i mean that's gonna happen sometimes when you go into like a hardcore style match and you see the different styles and the different pacing of the match you want to slow it down a little bit just to get everyone back and excited for the next uh bump or whatever that's going to be happening you don't want to surprise them and do everything all at once because it's going to slow down the pace and really tire the crowd out and there was still another five matches left on this card before we all said good night for the for the evening it was a very long show 
the crowd was into this match and you know it was very good to see the crowd excited and wanting to cheer on for both guys here but at the end of the day you know whatever the case may be um monster mac and mafia danny math got the win here and really i think this is the end of the two of them but the four of them fighting with one another as you can see they're going to probably go and fight forever and fight around the independence and the different east coast promotions that there were around at that time this was a very good showcase of that hardcore style element i think better than some of the other showcases in the early going of ring of honor because these four men knew how to work with one another and knew how to work with each other well so we saw that here um and we really got to understand and, and understand the elements of what makes a good hardcore match here. Uh, I feel like the spots were set up perfectly, like I mentioned. And at the same time, too, you saw the three of them working well together. And I feel with th that being said, you're going to see more magic once they decide to continue running with that group. If they decide to continue running with that group, you get to see a lot more excitement, a lot more action, and a lot more hardcore style matches here in ring of honor we go to our second texas wrestling academy showcase here on the card between biohazard which is you know accompanied by michael shane so michael shane does decide to accompany his what he considers young boy against don juan not out here is rudy boy gonzalez but i forgot to mention in the match between michael shane and paul london the dastardly heel known as michael shane did attack his co uh, coach and mentor in Rudy Boy Gonzalez, so he's not going to be able to come out here and protect uh, Don Juan, who's technically outnumbered here. I mean, there's no better way to put it or honest way to put it. He's going to be outnumbered here. This is something that he has no choice but to really focus and try to defend for himself and fend for himself here. Um, this is another case where they're really just trying to show the power between Shane and Biohazard as probably one of the better younger groups in the game right now <sighs> to be honest with you i don't think biohazard really had a shot here in Honor. it was a good way to showcase him but i feel like he made himself well known and better well accustomed outside of ring of honor when he got that chance uh so he was known as uh jake and uh jake is pixon um he was a wwe developmental wrestler in 2005 2006 but really, you know, he didn't really get himself out there enough. Um, his last match, as we're looking here, um, courtesy of cagematch.net, was part of SWE Fury. So he was very local around the time um, after he left major independents such as Ring of Honor and then got his WWE chance, um, Biohazard that is. Michael Shane really never got a chance in WWE. He was in TNA where him and Frankie uh, Kazarian teamed up. Um, the, you know, we all knew him as the uh, the nephew of Shawn Michaels here. Um, we can't forget that because he did like to mention that way too many times. Again, once again, if you remember full-fledged, um, the, the five that were known from the Shawn Michaels school, Biohazard, Paul London, Michael Shane, Spanky Brian Kendrick, and Brian Danielson, really the only one that got major notoriety around the wrestling industry and community was Danielson. Um, he had the most success from that school. Uh, London and Kendrick did have some, uh, you know, tag team experience with one another in a very much in the future in WWE and outside of WWE, but really 
if you think about anyone from the Texas Wrestling Academy, the Shawn Michaels and Rudy Boy Gonzalez school, you are thinking about Danielson. There's really no other way to say it. I mean, he was the one that stood out from the very beginning. Um, when he you know, first jumped on the scene, it was already in FMW in 1999, had that really good classic match against Regal, went through the APW Best of uh, Independence in 2001 and really got to showcase what he could do in Ring of Honor from 2002 to 2009 before moving on to brighter and bigger things in WWE. And then eventually now Danielson is back kicking heads in in AEW, um, which previous week he did have a very much, I think, better than the 60-minute draw between Hangman Adam Page. But I'm not going to dive into that. Let's go back into the show here where we see an NCW special attraction match. Um, This is for their belt here with Maverick Wild and Alex Arian. I mean, this is a great way to get some local talent in the card, some familiar faces with the uh, Ring of Honor crowd who don't know much of these Ring of Honor stars that are coming in here and showcasing the Ring of Honor style. So you got some familiar faces in here. Okay, it was a decent match. It got the point across. It really focused on... Arian, who was the uh, champion at the time, really focusing on him trying to defend his title here. And he did a really good job in this match to really focus and bring his attention on certain body parts of Maverick Wild. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to remember this match just because the next two matches in this card very well uh, placed and also very much what Ring of Honor was about. And once again, you're listening to Pure Ring of Honor Retrospective Podcast here on the Count Pod Network, home of also independent warders. Join Zach and Mike as they go through the warders of independent wrestling, bringing you three great matches a week for you guys to pay attention to and possibly like and enjoy. Once again, that's independent warders every Wednesday here on the Count Out Pod Network. So we are in our final three, the final stretch of the show here as we have another tag team match between James Maritato. Please do not call him Nunzio. Please do not call him Little Guido. He is James Maritato and Tony Mameluke. Uh, the two of them, you know, especially Mameluke wants to still be called the FBI, but Maritato's really not into it. They're facing the natural born sinners of uh, Boogaloo and a Homicide. So a very nice here tag team match, really quick and to the point. Um, the back and forth action here, uh, really good showcase of the tag team division here in Ring of Honor as we're gearing up towards the tag team title tournament, uh, which would be happening the following month at a Ring of Honor show in September. Uh, we will eventually cover that show when we get to that point, but not right now. Hey, so you get to see a lot of back and forth action here. It's a really good way to show the best tag teams here at Ring of Honor, but also showcase the best talent here in Ring of Honor. And I think this is really where you start to see Homicide shine a little bit more and become the homicide that we all know and love. Um, The more violent, really, artist that he is. I I do feel in this match, you know, he's still a little tame, still following the Code of Honor, still following all those rules and whatnot. But he really wants to point and focus on bringing the best out of his tag team partner, which is Boogaloo. So the attention really is focused on him as being the one that really drives the match here. And we do see a lot of that here in this match uh, as him being the general in the match, Boogaloo. Um, really back, good back and forth action. Uh, Maritato and Mamluk have very good chemistry with one another, even though they act like they don't. They do. Um, so it's really nice to see that. Um, and really good to see them 
um, handling themselves very well. It's a very fun and exciting match. I do recommend watching this match if you guys have the time to. Um, you probably can find it online somewhere, but it's a very much a match that you should just sit back, relax, and watch and enjoy every minute of it as, you know, you don't. it's not every day you get to see a tag team match that is executed as perfectly as that, in my opinion. And I think it was a good match for me to, you know, recommend. Um, but really the match I'm going to be recommending is this next one, Brother versus Brother. The very first time that Jay Briscoe gets to wrestle, I'm sorry, excuse me, Mark Briscoe gets to wrestle in Ring of Honor because uh, he is not of age by the uh, Pennsylvania Athletic Commission, which once again, to me is weird to hear because he was wrestling quite a lot in uh, CZW. Maybe it was when they ran in Delaware. Not really sure. Um, not too well up on that promotion. If so, if someone can answer and possibly correct me why he was able to wrestle in CZW but not in Ring of Honor when they were running the Murphy Rec Center, be greatly appreciated. You can at me at Twitter at SeanTaggart531. That's S-H-A-W-N-T-A-G-G-A-R-T-531. So here we go. Um... I mean, you could see that they were excited to face one another, but also very hesitant. We know they're a very good tag team, and they were portrayed much so as a tag team uh, going through the CZW days and stuff like that. They had some uh, singles matches with one another. They did have a ba uh, best of the best singles match against one another and best of the best one. I do think this is the better of that match as they really, really brought it out and really stole the show here. I really feel like um, Ring of Honor, you don't get a lot of credit for what they did for the Briscoes in terms of bringing them the notoriety and the respect, especially on the early going, just because you didn't see both of them wrestle as a tag team quite yet. Um, they really weren't seeing eye to eye. Um, you saw Jay really going through the motions of losing a lot, having trouble winning, um, not really f getting the wins that he deserved, he felt. But Mark really egging him on and antagonizing him to the point where it was just enough. And they and uh, Mark, uh, you know, challenged him for this match, and Jay agreed. It was just very hard hitting. Brothers fighting, you know, you get the best out of one another. You decide to be a little bit more angrier towards one another, hit each other harder than you no normally would, and it showed in this match. I mean, there was just action after action in this match, no stop. Very good uh, between the two brothers here who just really wanted to prove to everyone that they can both wrestle and they can both wrestle very well either as a team or in this instance as opponents and i really think that this made everyone pay attention to the briscoes as individuals and then you know when they started teaming we had that slow start to them being paid attention as a team but this really gave people the ability to see wow mark and jay can actually wrestle and they can actually wrestle very well um, and then, you know, you did have some of the doubters thinking that they can't wrestle against anyone else but themselves. But, I mean, this just proved that they, they can just do it all. Um, and this wasn't the only match in Ring of Honor history that they've had against one another, as we know. We've seen them battle on the farm on a Ring of Honor television episodes during the pandemic. And then we did also see them fight for the title in Baltimore, Maryland in 2013 at uh, Best in the World. So, I mean, we'll talk about that match um, as it was another classic Briscoe versus Briscoe match. I think if you go back to the times that they face against each other, this is the match that you remember the most um, just because of what both were trying to prove at this given time. 
Uh, I do think you get to see a lot more out of Jay and Mark here than you do in the other encounters where they were a little bit more creative with their um, moveset, obviously still very young. So you got to see them do moves that you probably wouldn't see them do now, um, even though it looks like during their GCW run they're out buzzing out the greatest hits of their old moveset. So who knows, really? Um, but it was a very good match here, uh, very good reaction from the crowd. They wanted more. We wanted more. Um, can't recommend this match enough. This is probably the best match on the card, hands down. Uh, I am excited for anyone to pick this up. This is free on their YouTube channel. I will share the match, if I remember, on uh, the on my Twitter feed for you guys to watch. As, like I said, this is the match of the week. But we then go into our main event here. And in our main event here tonight, we do have AJ Styles taking on uh, Loki. Very good uh, matchup here, and like I said, the final three matches on this card really delivered and showcased what Ring of Honor was all about. Um, honestly, uh, not many people know of AJ Styles in this uh, area, um, most notoriously remembered for his time as an enhancement talent near the dying days of WCW, also around the uh, Southeast independent scene, NWA Wildside. He eventually, around this time, would also be showcased on uh, NWA TNA on the weekly pay-per-views that they would be having so he was slowly making a name for himself low-key um, very well uh, much aware with the Northeast here and New England as he would make his ways around that scene during this time and really hold championships wherever he went this was a great match here um, very contrast to styles obviously AJ at this time was very much known for his high flying and his fast moveset Whereas uh, Loki hasn't really changed much. His strikes are still hitting as hard. Plus, he's also more um, methodical with his pace at this time and really showcasing and trying to drive the point home that he is the champion. He will do whatever it takes to hold this title and keep this title on him. And he does a great job here of proving that point. Really good back and forth action here, but I think what really seals the deal for a lot of people and makes AJ a star here in Ring of Honor is just how much he has this never can die never say die attitude he's really focused on being and bringing in a back and forth pace um and really kicking out of moves that not many people have kicked out of here in ring of honor from low key yet um but we do see aj kicking out of him here but eventually i mean as we all know with anyone who faces low key in this time frame it just becomes a little bit too much for them to handle as um AJ also falls to the champion and uh, low-key retains here in Wakefield, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. And we have made our way through um, Honor Invades Boston, and it was a very successful show for the Ring of Honor crew. I, I think you saw a lot of great things that come out of it. A lot of seeds were planted during this show. I think you saw them setting up and getting ready for their um, tag team title um tournament that they were going to be doing as we all know that turned into the um one of those uh shows unscripted um because you know card subject to change and there's a lot of card changes on that show and we'll go into that when we cover it but it was just a very good back and forth a lot of energy a lot of excitement here um on this card i feel like you saw everyone really try to focus and push themselves to Make sure that, you know, the Boston area was an area that they could return to and uh, return to often. And they did, um, and they will. And I think you're, you're seeing the, you know, the wheels being spun and turned for Ring of Honor to be a success here. I mean, 
They're selling out Philly, which isn't a surprise to a lot of people. I mean, Philly was their hometown for such a while. Um, but I think you are seeing them starting to prove that they should be uh, up there with some of the other series, independent promotions. And honestly, it doesn't surprise me that they have lasted as long as they have. Uh, Ring of Honor has been a proving ground for a lot of people to prove themselves on the independent scene, test themselves on the independent scene, especially in the early going where a lot of the matches here were just about how good can you work, how good can you perform, how good can you um, excite the crowd. And it wasn't about, you know, the characters that build. And, yeah, sure, there were some characters in there into in Ring of Honor at a later time in, like, a Jimmy Rave and everything like that. And we'll, um, But you saw them put on the best quality shows based on everyone being able to wrestle. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people – give credit to Ring of Honor for. Um, and I think that's what we here will be talking about a lot, how well were the matches worked. And throughout the card, I mean, you saw everyone bust their ass and give 110% here. I'm not surprised we saw some outcomes that we did here. Uh, I, I really do feel like you get to see a lot out of here um, in the show. And I'm excited for a little bit more of what's to come as we dive deeper into the Ring of Honor catalog. So I would like to thank everyone for taking the time out and listening to another episode of Pure Ring of Honor Retrospective Podcast here on the Countout Podcast Network. You can tune in every other Monday to us talking about Ring of Honor and some of their classic shows. The next time you'll hear us in about two weeks, we'll be visiting the first time Ring of Honor went to the UK and held a show series of shows by themselves. In 2006, we'll be talking about Anarchy in the UK. You thought we were going to talk about Unified. We're not quite there yet in our journey here of Ring of Honor. This is still one of the first that we wanted to cover um, in this series. Obviously, as you guys have been listening, I do... Uh, Appreciate you guys listening. You can like, um, subscribe, comment, leave a rating here on all podcast platforms. Even Spotify now allows you to uh, rate the shows that you listen to and uh, give some feedback. And we would appreciate the feedback as that will only help us continue to give you the content that you want and deserve. Once again, this is Sean Taggart. You can follow me at Twitter at Sean Taggart 531. You can follow the Count Up Podcast Network at Count Up Pod. And we'll see you next time here on Pure. Thanks for listening. This has been a Count Out Podcast. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.